of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5. It will be in verses 19 and 20. If you're visiting us and using the Bible in the chairs, it's found on page 1074. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. If you are able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. On June 23rd, 2018, in northern Thailand, after the celebration of a teammate's birthday, a youth soccer club, along with their coach, went roaming into a cave. The team roamed for a long time, and suddenly there was this huge downpour of rain. Kept coming and coming and coming down to where the rain would partially flood the very cave. What was once a fun excursion became a worse nightmare. Because this soccer team was trapped in the cave. No way of getting out. Desperation. They were facing death. The families got concerned, calling 911. There began a search rescue, this international rescue team of SEALs. Began this operation, a multi-layered operation of seeking the rescue of the soccer team. What would incline people, seals, neighbors, divers, to come from afar, to come to northern Thailand and risk their lives? for the rescue of these children. Compassion, love. That they would put their lives on the line in order to save these children's lives. Death was imminent and yet they were really willing to lose their lives to prevent the death of these kids and their coach. Well, as I think about the story, I can't help but think about the church, how God's covenant people are to have that same type of compassion and be led to that same type of action if someone in our midst were to go astray. 
that in love we would pursue them. Just as this international rescue team recognized the danger that this team was in, as God's church, we are to recognize the danger that a straying sheep is in if they were to go stray. Just as they labored for the restoration of the soccer team, God's covenant people are to labor for the restoration of a straying sheep. Because in Christ, God has made us a family. We are fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. The reality is, beloved, you are your brother's and sister's keeper. And that means something. That means you are to go after a fellow brother and sister in Christ who has gone astray. This is what James is exhorting in the final two verses of the letter. So our big idea for this morning's passage is this. Love one another by caring for each other's walk with Christ. Love one another by caring for each other's walk with Christ. Two points of exhortation. First, be sobered by sin. Second, be diligent to rescue. Be sobered by sin and be diligent to rescue. If we have reached the conclusion of James's letter, the final two verses of the book, there is no benediction. What James gives is a commending exhortation. Talks about how God uses the faithful pursuit of his people to restore a straying sheep. The first point is be sobered by sin. Once again, James addresses the congregation according to his common familial language, calling them brothers and sisters, and what he does is he depicts a hypothetical situation. Look at verse 19. It says, My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth. This is a hypothetical situation. And though it's hypothetical, may we not ignore it. May we not make light of it because though it's hypothetical, it is a real possibility. In fact, churches throughout history have experienced this very disheartening situation that someone among them has strayed from the truth. What that means is that was a person who has embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. They professed their faith in Jesus. They were a part of the church over time. Their zeal for the name and fame of Jesus waned. Their 
minds and their affections for Jesus changed. They went from following Christ to wandering away from him. Beloved, this is saddening, but this is also sobering because none of us in here are beyond this. If you read the verse, if anyone strays from the truth, there is no asterisk or no footnote at the bottom that says, except for fill in your name. We are all capable of straying because sin dwells within us. We can so easily be ruled by sinful and fleshly desires to where in our minds we begin to question the goodness and love and grace and purity and holiness of God and the goodness of his ways. And we ourselves can easily begin to wander from the truth. Beloved, our doctrine of sin If it is biblical, it will lead one to conclude that we are capable of straying. Think about what we sung in Come Thou Fount. That's why you have the lyrics of prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Sin is that deceitful. And we are that weak. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Be sobered by sin. It's fitting for James to use the language of straying. It's fitting because the Bible likens people to sheep. Psalm 100, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. We are likened to sheep and y'all, it is extremely humbling. Think about it. No team, definitely no good team, would have a mascot as a sheep. You have lions, you have tigers, you have bears, but you don't have sheep. Why? Because sheep are weak. One mentor told me sheep are the three Ds. Dumb, defenseless, and directionless. And the Bible calls us sheep. (laughs) Just as sheep are capable of straying from the path and straying from the shepherd, beloved, we are capable of straying from Christ, our good shepherd. That's exactly what happened In the situation that James talked about, he says, straying from the truth. And the truth here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that very truth in chapter 1 that we were born again by, solely by the grace of God. 
It is that very truth, the message of Jesus Christ, that the Son has become man, that he has died for atone to our, and atoned for our transgressions. It is that message that saved us when we first believed. And it is that message that we are exhorted to continue to hold on to and to continue to believe throughout our entire lives. This person is strayed. Notice how James combines truth and life. He says, if any among you strays from the truth. Straying is something that you do. The truth is something that you believe. Once again, what we see is he is holding the two together because truth and life go together. James has emphasized this throughout his entire book. Think about it. Faith and works. Confession and conduct. Doctrine and deeds. Beloved, the two go together. Faith is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of facts. It is that, but it's more than that. It is also a trusting, a resting, an obedient truth, obedient trust to the truth. James is making clear that we believe the truth, that we are also to walk into it to walk in it, to walk according to it. Beloved, truth and life go together. What this means is that Christians cannot confess orthodox doctrine and yet simultaneously live like a devil. That may be acceptable in the South, but it's not acceptable in Scripture. Our Beliefs, they inform how we are to live. What James has been doing throughout this entire book is combating nominal Christianity. Making clear that if you confess Jesus Christ, then your life is to be patterned according to his. That you are to walk in love, fulfilling the royal law. That what you say is important, and it is also to be displayed in how you live. Love the gospel that we believe, it is that gospel that we are to live in light of. And why? Because when Christ redeems us, we belong to him. As one catechism says, we belong to him both soul and body. Which means in response to what he has done out of a love for him. We live for him and follow him. James here says that someone strayed from the truth, beloved. We are to be sobered by sin. As we hear this language straight from the truth, many of us can probably think of people, have pictures of faces, of those who have strayed away, those who have, quote-unquote, said they have deconstructed from their faith. It is disheartening. It is perplexing. 
And some may be wondering, like, man, I'm unsure what to do. For one, I would say the Lord knows those who are his. And he won't lose one. I would also say that a real, sincere profession of faith in Jesus Christ will be evidenced by turning back to him. A sincere profession of Christ is the distinguishing mark of a sincere profession of Christ is someone will return. Now, Christians certainly can stray. It certainly can be a season of sin, but the thing is, for Christians, they won't remain in sin. Because by God's grace, the holy hound dog of heaven will come after his people whom he has bought. He will seek them out, and in love, he will woo them back to King Jesus. To where, by the grace of God, they will recognize the emptiness of the life that they've been living. They will discern the danger that they are in if they continue on this track. And with love and in humility, they will come back to the Savior. Because Jesus won't lose one. James says that if any among you strays, beloved, we are to be sobered because we have the propensity to stray from Jesus. Now this sobriety should compel us to discipline ourselves to renew our minds daily. That we may grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, that our affections according to that knowledge may increase. We may take captive thoughts and meditate on the truth of Christ. Beloved, this reality for us should cause us to want the furnace of our affections of Jesus Christ to burn hot. To where we are constantly, continually putting coals and fuel and logs in that furnace that our love for Jesus may burn more and more. For the one who's been sobered by the reality that we can stray, it is that one who's going to cling to Jesus all the more. It is that person who's going to savor Christ all the more. Because we know how weak we are, we know how frail we are, we know how fallen we are, and we know how glorious he is. And we know that sin will try to deceive us. One who's sobered by sin will make every effort to slay their sins, that they may more and more adore our beautiful and glorious Savior. Oh, beloved, be sobered by sin. May we also be diligent to restore. James says, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth, y'all, the next five words is so dense. He says, and someone turns 
him back. Someone turns him back. James got at the outcome of the pursuit in those very words. And what's implicit and what precedes the outcome is someone noticed that a sheep has wandered. Beloved, you can only turn someone back if you recognize that they left. What that means is that their eyes and our eyes are to be looking out and looking around. When we see someone wandering from the truth, no longer gathering with us, and their life is in contrary to the teachings of Scripture, we're to respond. Our response should not be cold. And us saying, well, that's their problem, not mine. Our, our response should not be a calloused heart that's disguised with compassion, saying that's their choice and I support them. That sounds loving, but that is absolutely, completely unloving. Because there is no love in silently and even worse, supportively watching a fellow church member wreck their lives and ruin their souls. Our response also shouldn't be self-centered. Said, I don't want to say anything because that's going to make things uncomfortable. Well, I don't want them to be mad at me. These are the very things that we're tempted towards. But that's not love, beloved. Love is to selflessly give up yourself for the good of the other. What James here is implicitly exhorting us is to love our neighbors, to love one another by diligently pursuing a sheep who has strayed. That out of a love for them, we care about their walk. And therefore, we go after them knowing the danger that they are in. And as we do this, we reflect Jesus Christ himself. Christ, he describes his saving mission in the language of search and rescue. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The eternal son was diligent in the pursuit to where he crossed realms, going from heaven to earth, God becoming man to find us. He wasn't lost. We were. And he came to find us. And not just that, he came to save us by laying down his life for our sins. And what Jesus has done, it is paradigmatic. Meaning, it is our example for what we are to do for straying sheep. We are to, in love, seek them out for their restoration. John 13, 34 through 35, love one another just as I have loved you. But what does that look like for those who have strayed? We go after them just as Christ went after us.
Think about the international rescue team. They went after that soccer team. They diligently sought their lives, seeking to save them. Well, beloved, we are to do the very same thing for sheep who stray. We do the very same thing for those who are ensnared in sin. We are to pray. We are to reach out, schedule meetings, have conversations with the Scriptures open, pointing them to Jesus Christ, reminding them of who He is, and calling them to come back to Christ. For the path that they are on is a path towards death, but life is found if they were to repent. If you're a member at Midtown Baptist Church, you volunteered yourself to be a part of the search and rescue team for straying sheep. In our church covenant, we said that we will exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and admonish one another when occasion may require. We're to do this in love. We're to do this with humility. We're the rescue team, beloved. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. You are your brother's and sister's keeper. We are to see it as our responsibility to help one another grow in Christ. We are to see it as our responsibility to help one another walk in holiness. We are to see it as our responsibility to help one another to heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, pursue peace with one another and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Get this, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of life. That is a responsibility for the church. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of life. Which means that we have the responsibility to help each other to heaven. Beloved, we are our brother's and sister's keeper. Let me talk to the children. You know, children, a number of you have siblings. Some of you have close cousins. You know, when y'all are hanging out or playing, you know that your parents have given y'all some rules. Don't do this or don't do that. Like, say you're outside and there's a woods. Your parents likely tell you, don't go in there. Let's say a ball. Throwing it, it goes into the woods. So you're to remind one another, yo, we can't go there. But let's say your cousin or your brother or sister go in. What would you do? You would go and get help. You would go and tell your parents. You're going to go and tell somebody to go so that your sibling or your cousin or your friend can be rescued. Y'all, that's what Jesus did for us. 
we who are Christians, Jesus came down to rescue us. And just as you are seeking the help of your, your cousin, your friend, your sibling, the church has the responsibility to seek out one another if somebody goes into the woods. This is part of what it means to be a family, the household of faith. Beloved, what we see is that God's people are to take on the character of our covenant, God. And God is the one who pursues his people. Some of you are doing the Bible reading plan on Monday. You read Genesis 1 to 3. Think about Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, when they ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what did God do? He came for them. He pursued them. As you get into the book of Exodus, as the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, what did God do in response? He pursued them and went after them. Think about we who are in Christ. When we were once enslaved in sin and had enmity with God, what did he do? In Christ, he came for us. So if God is a loving God who pursues his people and we are to take upon his character, what does that mean for us? We're to be diligent in seeking the restoration of straying sheep. Because God can use our efforts to bring about repentance. This is what we see here in the text. And someone turns him back. By God's grace, the one who has strayed, they have repented and they have returned to Jesus Christ. Beloved, be diligent to pursue some of us may even think that our efforts can be futile. What we see in the text is that it's not. Because God can work through them to bring back his straying sheep. The Spirit uses the word to soften one's heart, to convince one's mind, to, to revive their affections and bring about the restoration of someone who is strayed. Be diligent to restore. Look at verse 20. It says, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, one may wonder, well, who is he talking to, especially in the second part of verse 20? And the cards on the table, I believe that this is in reference to the sheep who has strayed. Because it talks about the one who goes after them, it, all, it communicates some sort of work salvation. That that person has saved their own soul because this person has repented. But it's the one who has returned. Their souls have been saved from death. And death here is eternal judgment. Why? Because salvation is in Christ alone. 
Life is found in Christ alone. And so for the one to stray from Jesus, they are headed towards death. And yet by God's grace, they have come back. Here we got another motivation on why we should be diligent. Why we should seek the restoration because God is gracious. God is gracious. He is the God of another chance. He welcomes them back with open arms. Regardless of one who is strayed, thinking they have gone too far, thinking that they may have done too much or they've been gone too long for God to receive them, the passage makes clear that God welcomes them back. So regardless of what they've done, how far they've gone, how long they've gone, if they return, God will not slam the door in their face. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. Beloved, if one returns, they will be spared from judgment, forgiven of their sins, and brought back into the sheepfold. And why? Because God is gracious and merciful. Richard Sears would say that there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. It is as one returns back to Jesus that they are met with mercy and grace and love and forgiveness and acceptance. So, friends, if you know yourself to not be a Christian, I am glad that you are here this very morning. I want you to know that God loves you. And he is also fully aware of all the sins that you've committed. Nothing shocks him. And he's a gracious God who offers forgiveness and life. The very reason he sent his son, Jesus, was to not condemn the world, but to save the world through him. As Jesus himself bore the judgment in the place of sinners, the very wrath of God that you and I deserve, Jesus paid for it with his life. And Jesus rose from the grave, and Jesus offers forgiveness and life. So this very day, I would implore you, believe in Jesus Christ. Receive the life that he freely offers and be saved. James says, that person, no, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The very last few words is a quotation, direct quotation from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Given the contrast between hate and love and saying that love covers a multitude of sins. For the one who is repentant, God in his grace will cover their sins like a blanket covers a person. Because Jesus died. What we see here is God doing the work of restoration through his people.
people. As we diligently pursue one who strays, God is going after them. And if they're his, he will bring them back. You know that that soccer team that was trapped on June 23rd. Well, as they assembled the International Rescue Team, there were two British divers who came and put their lives on the line. Well, on July 2nd, They made contact with the boys. They reconvened, put forth a plan, a scary plan, a dangerous plan, and yet they put forth the plan. And in God's kindness, by July 10th, the entire team was rescued out of the cave. God delivered those, that team, through the efforts of these seals and these divers. Well, just as God used their efforts to bring them back, the Lord can use our faithful efforts and our diligent pursuit to bring back those who have strayed away from him. Beloved, may we show love and care for each other by diligently and willingly and eagerly pursuing one who is strayed, trusting that the Lord will use our efforts for his glory and our good, seeing that he has made us family. And as a church, it's part of what we're to be about. For in Christ, you are the keeper of your brothers and sisters. May we be faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we praise you for your grace. That you would come after us in Christ. And if we were to stray, you would come after us again. your unfaithful and eternal love. Oh, we see that it truly does endure forever. Father, we pray that we'd be a people who care diligently and eagerly and willingly for one another. That we'd be willing to enter in and have the hard conversation calling Straying sheep back to Christ. Help us, O oh Lord. We praise you for the salvation that is in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.